My entire laboratory is at your disposal. Thanks. I'll let you know if I need a hybrid pig boy. A what? That... What are you... I don't have one of those. <laughs> That'll do, Piggly. That'll do. Any more? What are we talking about? Nothing. Hobo Radio, the official podcast of HoboTrashCan.com. Brought to you by the Podcast Network. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law at HoboTrashCan.com. With your host, the man that puts out the trash, Joel Murphy. And introducing Lars, the man that puts the hoe in the hobo. Hello again, I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio, and this week we are bringing you, in its entirety, our uh, interview with Lucky Yates from Archer. The print version of this interview originally ran on the site in February, so you can go read it there on hobotrashcan.com. But, you know, we have the whole thing for you here to listen to, and we are closing out the show this week with a song by Gene Sinadinos, fittingly titled Lucky, so I hope you enjoy that, and I hope you enjoy the interview. By the way, I was actually, um, I went up to the uh, the show you guys did in New York, so I actually saw oh, the, sweet. the Archer Live. I was actually sitting right in front of the girl that got caught up on stage to kiss uh, John Benjamin. <laughs> you know what the whole story behind that was? It's like, so afterwards, you know, we're out there meeting and greeting, and I was like, dude, what was the problem? She's like, I actually work for the FF, FX office here in town and didn't know if this was like, should I be doing this? This is like, and I'm an employee. He's, what is the deal? So she was so freaked out because, not because, she thought John was a hideous troll, but it was because he <laughs> might get fired or some shit. Oh, no. That makes it so much more tragic, like, realizing. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, which, of course, she wouldn't. She's in, like, marketing. Right. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, but, no, that was, that was a really cool uh, experience to get to come out and see you guys that do that. That was fun, man. Yeah. That was fun. I hope, I hope they send us out on more of those. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I want to. I'll probably end up asking you about that in a little bit. But just to to start out, I actually I wanted to ask you. You know, how did you get into acting? Like, when did it? You decided something you wanted to do. Oh man, it's. Uh, I, you know, man, it's like the only thing I ever wanted to do. I think I remember. I, you, first grade. I think it was in first grade, and and we had to write a little. You know, write a paragraph on what you want to be when you grow up. It was actor. And the same thing, we had to do it in the second grade, and I just remember, like, I never really wanted to do anything else, and 
don't really know that I have any other marketable skills, so it's kind of the only thing I'm suited for. So when did you start, uh, you know, like seriously pursuing it? Did you go to school for acting, or, or what did you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to uh, I went to Wayne State. I'm from Detroit. And uh, so I went to Wayne State University uh, to get a theater degree up there, and, and their theater department is really top-notch. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's really all I've ever wanted to do, and, and just, like, single path, man. You know, and I've had shit jobs and stuff in the meantime, but I haven't had a real job since 1996, something like that, 97 maybe? That's pretty sweet. But, yeah, I've just, uh, Atlanta's really a great city for it. Uh, you know, it's not like, well, finally they're making, they, we passed, Georgia passed one of those tax laws, and so they're filming a bunch of stuff, but I don't even audition. Like, I don't even really play the game, man. Uh, I, I don't have a local, uh, agent. Like, I just kind of, all the work that I get, I just kind of find on my own, or from schmoozing and knowing people who know people. So it's pretty awesome. So what what drew you to Atlanta though? Like, how did you end up going out there? Uh, after I graduated college, I lived in New York for a couple of years, and then uh, I I had a job there, and that was coming to a close at the same time that the lease on my apartment was uh, coming up, and I knew I didn't want to live in that apartment again. I was like, all right, I can just start over completely here, or maybe I'll go somewhere else and check it out. So I I put word out. Uh, one of my best friends from college is from here and was was back living. Uh, and uh, another one, but one of my best friends from college was living in Nashville and he was doing some cool stuff. And uh, and then I had a friend out in Seattle and this was before the whole big you know grunge boom and all that kind of stuff. And so I look at those three places seem kind of weird and cool and I've never seen any of them. And uh, my buddy here was the first one that, that said, yeah, come on down here. I'll get you a job in outdoor drama. So I took it. <laughs> uh, well, one of the other things I noticed uh, doing a little bit of research on you is that you kind of have this uh, interest in puppeteering, too. And your yeah. your IMDb profile says that you were an additional Muppet performer in uh, The Adventures in I'm, Elmo. Elmo in, Elmo in Grouchland, buddy. You bet I was. <laughs> well, I, I just wanted to ask you about that, just the puppeteering in general and then, you know, that experience in particular. What was that like for you? Um, oh, dude, it's awesome. Uh, it, puppets are great. When I okay, so like, let me talk your ear off for a minute. Uh, so I, I, you know, moved down here. Blah blah blah. I got that job at Outdoor Drama doing Unto These Hills in Cherokee, North Carolina, the story of the Trail of Tears, uh, and did that for a few summers, and ended up marrying a girl from the reservation. So I moved to the to the Cherokee Indian Reservation for like a year and a half. It was a disaster. What a, uh, I just should not have done any of it. I was too stupid to get married and like just had no business being on the Indian Reservation. So I got a job uh, back in Atlanta at uh, Atlanta has a place called the Center for Puppetry Arts, which is the biggest institution devoted to puppetry in the country, if not the whole, uh, I don't know. It's totally in the country, if not this side of the world. Um, and uh, I had a friend that needed uh, box office workers, and that's what I did all through college. So I got a job to move back to Atlanta, and 
my first my first duty was to go see the show that was currently playing and it was very much that typical like sort of light beam from heaven with angels saying like oh shit you can do this for a living like I'll I would totally love to puppeteer and I think I could probably do a better job than a couple of the people that are in this cast not that I know anything about puppetry but man um and so I started working while I was working at the center auditioned for the next uh, season coming up and got a job and then that started everything I started doing a lot of video puppetry for the local public television stations um, and then got that Elmo gig. So what, what was the, the adventures in, of Elmo and Grouch then, though? What was that like? <laughs> it was hilarious. It was, uh, you know, uh, the Elmo movie, and it was, you know, I was in the, sort of the, the group of background puppeteers, um, and, you know, uh, anywhere that there's a giant crowd scene of a bunch of grouches or a bunch of whatever's walking around, you know, I'm one of those dudes. Um, so it was fun. Uh, I spent uh, like over a month in Wilmington, North Carolina, filming it. Um, it the, the best part about it was uh, most of the old gang was still together, like, you know, Jerry Nelson and Carol Spinney and just the old Muppeteers. Um and so getting to hang out and party with those guys was a blast. Um, you know, and the job wasn't what it was. It was making a movie, which was a lot of sitting and waiting around. But then every once in a while, you threw on a grouch and we got to be in some scene. And it was, it was great. <laughs> I, it's just, you threw on a grouch and got to be in a scene. That's just so yeah. odd and cool to get to say. <laughs> I know, right? It was weird. It was weird. Like, when we to go to the audition... Like, they gave you an Oscar. Like, here you go, uh, put on Oscar, put on Oscar, and then, uh, and the auditions were ridiculous. Like, you had to say the ABCs, and you had to count to 20, I think, with a Muppet. And, but shit, it's like there's a fucking Oscar sitting there, and like, and then you put on Oscar the Grouch, and you're like, Jesus, like, I, should I be, I feel dirty somehow, like, putting this puppet on. This is so weird, but well, whatever. Um, yeah, it was fun. And then, Doing that film, that's back when I was Matt Yates, and doing that film earned me the points to get my SAG card. And so when I went to go get my SAG card is when they said, no, nah, there's already a guy named Matt Yates running around with a SAG card. You can't be Matt Yates anymore. Come up with a name. Uh, and I was like, oh, crap, which is, you know, not a happy day when you have to change your name all of a sudden. <laughs> so, yeah, how did you come up with Lucky Yates? Uh... I called my parents to say, hey, you named me once. What else you got? Because, uh, like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I was so close, man. I was so close to, being, to naming myself Sheriff. Sheriff Yates. So that any time I walked in any place, anybody, the people would have to go, how's it going, Sheriff? Like, yes. But it would have been terrible. Um, so I called them and, you know, talked to my folks and, my mom just sort of rattles off family names for 20 minutes, and they're just like regular, like regular names. Steven and John and Bill, and I'm like, hey, I'm not going to suddenly become Steve. Like, that's just crazy. And my dad, the whole time, completely quiet, the entire time, lets us talk, lets us talk, lets us talk, and then finally I was like, ah, well, I'm just going to have to keep looking. He says, what about Lucky? And I went, <laughs> oh my God, Lucky Ace. Yes, that's it. Perfect. Done. We're done. I'm gonna call them right now, and that was it. It has so a my really dad. Good, it, my it, dad technically named me. <laughs> it has a good ring to it, though. I like you, Lucky Yates. Yeah, it really works, um, and it's worked out pretty well for me. 
so how, um, you know, I know you did some work on Frisky Dingo before yeah. uh, getting cast as Krieger. So how did you get involved with Adam Reed and Matt Thompson? Uh, back when they were doing C-Lab and Frisky, uh, it, it was the 7030 was the name of their outfit back then. And uh, it, it's just a pretty small operation. Um it was like five or six guys, you know, they were all working in house animating these shows. And, uh, one of my best buddies that works at dad's garage theater, that's the improv theater I work at with Amber. Um, one of our buddies, Christian was an animator over there, uh, working on shows. And so through him, you know, we would go to parties and stuff like that. And it was kind of a tight knit group anyway. Uh, and so Matt and Adam would come every once in a while to see improv shows that we would be in. And, uh, I've been running a kid's show, an improvised kid's show that I puppeteer in at dad's for since 2000. Uh, so they, they like Matt would bring his kids to come see that. And, you know, you just became familiar with each other and all that kind of stuff. And so when a voice, you know, they needed some voice of reason, extacle to come up and Christian was just like, hey, we should, let's bring in Lucky and see if he can do it. And so I did. And, you know, that's kind of just what started it all. And Matt and Adam are great guys. And so we just were, we're pals anyway, you know, like we, we just get along really well. So it just fit. And then how, how did Krieger come about? Did you audition for that or was that just kind of, they had you in mind? I came at, no, they didn't. Uh, in fact, when, you know, Krieger doesn't talk in the first couple of episodes. Um, and they didn't know if they were going to ride that out or not, and they finally Adam decided to give him some lines at that dinner party one. Uh, and so, actually, it was Amber Nash. Uh, Amber was in recording, and they're like, hey, we've got this science, scientist character coming up. Uh, uh, and they showed her you know, a picture of him, and they were like, yeah, who do you think? You, who do you think might be good to, to voice this guy? And she's like, why don't you guys call Lucky? And they're like, oh, of course, why, yeah, why didn't we think of that right away? So they called me, and I went and read and essentially recorded the episode, and they're like, this is great. We love it. Now we have to, you know, get FX to approve it. Um, and then it went down to the wire because FX never gave an answer back, and, you know, they submitted the episode, and it was waiting, 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 and there was, like, there was a cutoff time of when the, the episode just had to be locked the way that it was before they could re-record anything. And so they eventually had to call FX and say, like, hey, man, we need an answer on this Krieger guy, other than, uh, or else we're going to have to re-record it. And they're like, oh, no, we love him. That's great. And so that was it. And then I was Krieger, and then he just got more and more ridiculous over the years. Yeah, did they ever, I mean, was there ever, like, a breakdown of the character? Did you ever have conversations with them about it, or was it just sort of you would get uh-huh. the scripts every week? And I would get the script, and, uh, you know, the, they, like, they showed me a, a, the, the drawing of him. You know, I was like, hey, he looks like General Zod. And they are like, oh, okay, you know, he's just a weird guy. And if you watch the first episode that I'm in, that I talk in, which is Killing Utney, which is at that dinner party, um, Krieger seems kind of sloppy, and I remember Adam uh, giving me the direction of, like, make it sound as though you always have, like, too much saliva in your mouth or something. And so I was like, all right. And so that's kind of the way I read that whole uh, episode. And then afterwards, when we, when I recorded the next time, he's like, yeah, just do it in your normal voice. <laughs> all right. Go. Cool. Uh, so, um, do you have any, like, particular favorite moments or lines or anything that stick out? Oh, dude. Um... 
Uh, it's it's so tough to like really pick a a, a favorite of Krieger, especially with Krieger, because I love the positioning he's of that he's in because he's really like a man. He comes in, punches it, and it splits right. And so like every, pretty much every time he's on screen, it's a good nugget. Um, I, you know if. Fort Kick-Ass is a, sort of the fan favorite, and that was awesome, and that was really early on. Probably the biggest dream come true for me uh, was getting to do the final speech from the uh, speech, I guess it's more of a rant, uh, from the original Planet of the Apes, with uh, the whole blew it up, because uh, you know, Lana, I think, takes a bat to the original hologram device of the first hologram bride, right. and smashes it, and so I get to do the, like, you blow it up, you maniac, and uh, and that was great because I, the original Planet of the Apes is one of my all-time favorite films. I love that movie so much. And so getting to do that was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, but other than that, you know, just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, um, everything I get to say is fun. Uh, I, I was just kind of curious too. Like, I kind of just want your opinion on this, but yeah. the, um, with Krieger, I've noticed like, he ends up helping the other characters a lot, obviously. Like, you know, he brings Katya back to life. And, he, you know, yep. in the next episode that's going to air, we see him reattaching Conrad's arm and he helps Ray walk. And right. I was just curious, like, does he actually, in your opinion, do you think he cares about his coworkers or is this all just, like, scientific, intriguing? I, thing? I, it, it, this has come up for, and I always characterize him, I give him uh, chaotic neutral. Uh, I don't know if you're a D&D guy, uh, but, you know, everybody has sort of these statuses or, you know, it's not their class. I don't know what they're called. Um, but he's not, like, he's not necessarily good because he, he also sells weapons from ISIS to whoever. Um, uh, there's an episode coming up where, uh, I don't know, I should reveal I mean, What have you seen, the first four? Yeah, yeah, I just got that DVD yeah. at the first one. Uh, I mean, there's an instrument, there's an episode coming up, and don't give too much away, where he kind of lends Barry a hand in getting off of that space station, because um, <laughs> Barry's trapped up there from last season. Uh, so he just kind of, like, does things really for his own benefit, but I think he, Krieger genuinely likes the people he works with as much as that weirdo can really like people. He feels bad for them and all that kind of stuff. So um, he's really in it for himself. And I think, you know, ISIS is probably uh, just like they pay him to have a lab, which is perfect. Um, So he leans toward being a good guy, but I think he's really just in it for himself. (laughs) Um, What was it like that you guys showed a a clip from the uh, the – tentacle porn video from this. Yeah, yeah. Like, what was it like doing that? I imagine that would be rather bizarre to record. Uh, it, it was great. Um, because myself, I don't know, Judy may be doing the hologram bride, but I don't even know if that's true. Uh, because the whole premise of that video is that Krieger and Pam are the ones making it. Um, and so toward the end of it, you, we, you cut to, uh, Kruger and Pam at a computer console and they're sort of making it and Pam's like editing the dialogue or maybe she's editing it or whatever. Um, and so it's actually me and Amber that do the voices and everybody else because the rest of the characters are going to eventually show up in that thing as sort of teenage anime versions of themselves and I don't think that the cast does their voices. I think it's all done by other actors or maybe not even actors. It might be like 
animators from so many or from Floyd County uh, because they wanted everybody to sort of sound different as though it were Krieger uh, that that was making this thing, was, you know, unbeknownst to Archer and Lana and all them. <laughs> but it was great, man. It was it was super fun, and it was one of those things. I had no idea what was going on. Uh, like I showed, they were like, "Yeah, Casey's got this other thing. Casey's one of the producers. We're gonna put this on the DVD uh, for season four. You know, it's a it's an anime thing. So here, uh, record this too. So, you know, I went in to record an actual episode. So it was great. So uh, I was excited that Krieger had a little, you know, his own little thing. That was fun. <laughs> Uh, so what is it like, um, you know, doing the, the stuff like Archer Live, though, since you guys sort of record everything in isolation, what is it like to, to get together with the rest of the cast? Dude, it, it's awesome because the cast, they're all so great. And this is the first time I met them. And I don't get to go to all the stuff because Krieger isn't like, you know, in, in a main character in quotes. Um, and so like, I don't get to go to Comic-Con and all that kind of stuff. So. I mean, like every once in a while I go and, and see them. Um, and I remember the first time I met them, I was blown away that they're all so nice and cool and caring. And so and we're all friends, right? And, and, and so it's really fun just to get together with everybody uh, and, and hang out for, you know, however long we're together. Uh, it, everybody is just, I'm blown away. There's not a single ego in the whole group. Everybody's just super awesome and supportive, and it's great. It's great, great, great. I cannot rave enough about that cast. And were you and Amber Nash, I mean, obviously you guys were in the improv troupe together, but were you yeah. you guys close before you started doing the show? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's been one of my best friends for, like, I don't know, 10 years. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we work, I mean, we still work at Dad's together. Like, we have a workshop tonight. We're doing a... <laughs> uh, this Friday, we're opening a morning show at 1030 at night uh, as a live improv show. Oh, wow. Yeah, I uh, I got a chance to interview her last January, actually, and I remember... Yeah, she yeah, was, I remember. Yeah, she was saying that she, like, was going overseas. I can't remember exactly now, but, like, she was going overseas to do stuff. Did you get to do any of that? Like, were you... Uh, I forget where she was. She went overseas to do her and... Uh, I think it was Kevin. I think her and her now husband uh, went over to do a little European tour. Or maybe she went, maybe last year is when she went with another guy. Um, but, yeah, so, like, that's, we, we go off on these little jaunts, and right now there there are two of the improvisers that have just come back from that tour. Um, but, like, I haven't gone, and I suppose if I put my name in the hat that I would get to, but that tour also kind of happens around recording time. Um, so I just kind of never really even put my name in the hat to go because I'm like, oh, we're going to be doing episodes around that time. And not that I wouldn't want to bounce around Europe doing improv shows, um, but you know, I've never actually been to Europe proper, so if I want to do it, I'm going to do it right and not for the first time and not be working while I'm doing it, you know? Uh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, the the other thing that, that I found out from the the Archer Live thing that I didn't realize is you, got, you and Amber both do the, uh, the Twitter accounts of... Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. How, how did that come about? Was that just, they needed, like, you offered to do it, or they needed someone to do it? Uh, no, they know. Uh, uh, Floyd County approached us to do it. Um, they, there is, a, a, John doesn't do the Archer one. Somebody has already been doing the Archer one. And they wanted to really sort of kick up some of the characters on, on social media, and either Pam would be great, and that Craig Krieger would probably be a real weirdo on it. 
so like, we all met for a lunch one time just to discuss, like, well, what do you think it would be and blah, blah, blah. And there was a point where Krieger was maybe going to have, like, a MySpace page because he just wasn't, like, up to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> up to date with anything. Um, but we figured that Twitter was the, the easiest way to really just call a following. Um, so, you know, we all got together at a big lunch and just talked about it. And, uh, then we had to write, uh, like I had to write a month's worth or like half a month's worth just to say, just to see for them to see if I could do it. Um, and you know, submitted that and they're like, yeah, this is perfect. And I think Amber had to do the same thing. She just sort of had to, you know, write some in advance just to see if, if she could grab it. Uh, and now they love it so much. I think they're, they're going to let us start because we sort of write them in advance and then, and then submit them and they all have to meet approval from both Floyd County and FX before they actually go out. Um, but I think they, they're getting to a place where they trust us so much that they're just going to let us start tweeting during the day of, you know, like there's anything that suddenly pops up or, you know, if there's big science news or whatever that I can jump on, uh, but I can just go ahead and do it. So, uh, you know, besides Archer and uh, the Dad's Garage stuff, what else is on the horizon for you? Anything else coming up? Uh, oh, horizon-wise. Uh, you know, I don't know, man. I sort of take things a day at a time. I used to be on the show Good Eats on food, the Food Network uh, for many, many years, and so I had both of those things running at the same time with that and Archer. Uh, and Elton Brown is still a buddy of mine, and he and I are always bouncing around ideas, but... Man, he's like the busiest guy I know. He's always, he lives here in Atlanta, but he's always in New York or LA shooting one of the many shows that he does for the Food Network. So he and I are always kind of bouncing around ideas. Um, and you know, at dad, I, I stay pretty regular and you know, my, everything that I studied and all that kind of stuff is live theater and doing improv shows every weekend. You know, I love the instant audience, you know, response and all that kind of stuff. So, I, I'm pretty happy. Uh, you know, Amber and I are writing a couple of things together, hoping hoping to uh, launch who knows what. You know, we're just kind of jamming on a bunch of ideas uh, for little projects for ourselves and stuff like that because, you know, why not ride the wave? Um, but as far as, like, anything solid, I, you know, just, I'm just an actor auditioning for stuff and all that kind of crap. What would you be doing for a living if you never got into acting? Oh my God, dude. Uh, Jesus, I can't even imagine what somebody would make me do. Uh, I don't know. I, that's a great question and one I never even thought of. I, I came up in a blue-collar uh, existence, so, you know, who knows? I would probably be in Michigan somewhere working some who-knows-what job at an auto, in the auto industry, probably. Because uh, in the metro Detroit area, you know, 80% of the people work for one of the big three. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Man, that's a good question. Sorry I had such a shitty answer. <laughs> uh, or no, probably, maybe, you know what, that's not true. I would probably do something in the geek world, maybe own a comic book shop. There you go. Yeah, uh, I'm a big nerd. Uh, and so... Yeah, I'll go with that. I'll I'll say uh, I would I would be doing something probably like owning a comic book shop or something like that, or trying to run some sort of geek store. Nice. Uh, yeah. Tell me something that most people don't know about you. 
Oh man, uh, when you say most people, like people that I know, because my life's pretty much an open book. Um, I, probably the big whammy is that uh, you know I was married for a year and a half and lived on an Indian reservation. I think that's the one that when people find out, they <laughs> sort of get floored uh, because. Dude, I, you know, I'm just some guy and, like, a real goofball and the type of guy you would never uh, expect to have lived as the white man on a reservation. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with that one, probably. How, how much like Dances with Wolves was it? <laughs> it was not that at all. Well, and plus it's the Eastern Man. It's like, all right, so it's Cherokee, North Carolina, which, you know, and this was pre-gambling. Cherokee, North Carolina. They didn't have a casino yet. I was there actually during the whole, like, the council would keep getting together, uh, and they televise all the council meetings. And the council really is it's like a, a any city government, right? It's like a... So they would televise these council meetings, and they were deciding, oh, is it going to be video gambling, or is it going to be live dealers? Is it going to be this, or is it going to be that? So during those years, pre-casino, pre, uh, that city would shut down, man. As soon as the fall colors were done and people stopped coming to the Blue Ridge Mountains to look at the pretty colors, the town just shut down and there was like nothing going on. So it was depressing because there was just a couple of businesses open and, you know, uh, the people are great, but they're also, you know, kind of bummed out because everybody's pretty poor and, you know, they, they live in a beautiful area, but, you know, a lot of people live in trailers and stuff. And so there's a lot of alcoholism on the reservation and just a lot of, you know, I worked at the Cherokee Children's Home for a while taking care of abused kids. Um, and so it was just kind of like, oh, man, this is a drag. Uh, and I'm sure now that it's chock full of all kinds of businesses, and I really haven't been back uh, since the casinos have been up, Um but I'm sure it's a completely, I, I bet I wouldn't recognize the place because uh, there's a lot going on there now and there didn't used to be. But like Dances with Wolves, not at all because the Cherokee, you know, it's not like Western Plains Indians, you know, it's like these are farming people and everybody, you know, the, 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 they live in the cold mountains and so everybody's kind of heavier set. And uh, they were not a feather tribe, they were a turban tribe. That's a lot of things, something a lot of people don't know they wore sort of head wraps like turban why am I rambling about this shit (laughs) Jesus you gotta go until this is good though I'm I'm enjoying this and I I didn't know the Mm. turban thing so I feel like I've learned now yeah that's good yeah turbans and jackets yeah like these quilted jackets (laughs) Lucky wore the irony of his name across his face said he couldn't pick a winner Painted toes. I like Lucky's laugh. 
Yeah, I locked me with Lucky. Wish I'd kept a photograph. Oh, Lucky. Lucky. Did you know you were my lucky charm? Science. 